All right. So I was saying um, we looked at peace, you know, as one of the spiritual impulses. Um, what else again? You lose, you know, you lose your loss of peace or, or presence of peace, or you just feel so much joy about a particular thing you've been praying to God about, um, or you just perceive and you can't explain how you know, but you know that you know. You know, all of these things are spiritual impulses. So we looked at that. Then we also looked at, so last week, more spe specifically, we looked at providential circumstances, meaning circumstances that God just allows to happen to you and he uses those circumstances to speak to, to us, right, in those instances. And we give, I mean, I gave my own personal example of how I was taking a walk in my estate and um, someone just, someone driving just stopped and asked me for direction. And while I was doubting what God was saying, saying to me through that, shortly after that few minutes and someone else came and stopped right beside me to ask for direction and God was speaking to me from that um, experience from that event and a lot of us ha have experienced this as well where god speaks to us using events around us um from the common events even it could be an event as common as you having a conversation with your colleague at work or as common as you cooking and then maybe god just speaks to you from the way you add your spices and just speaks to you and says you see the way you are making you have taken your time to make this food or to make this cake or to make this um whatever you're making, right? The way you're taking your time to do it, that's how I'm taking my time with your life and you have to be patient with me. And in that instance, God just speaks to you from that experience, okay? So we looked at that as um, a providential circumstance, right? Meaning a circumstance that God takes advantage of to speak to you. And then lastly, we looked at spectacular experiences, dreams, visions, um, angelic um, um, appearances, and all of that. So we looked at all these last week, um, for the last three weeks, actually. And please, if you haven't listened to, if you missed, you know, um, Bible study last week, um, and you won't love to, you should actually listen to it. I was listening to this, I was listening, um, I think, to last week's Bible study. I was listening to it some days ago, and I was really blessed. I know I was the one that spoke, but I was really blessed. So I encourage you to do so, all right? Um, we will send the link to the... Um, what's it called to so the podcast before the end of this if faith is here faith could you please help me just drop the link to that um to the podcast um in the in the chat okay so for today um what we are doing and and this this is very sort of personal to me because of the implication so what 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 i want us to look at today and i'd love to hear like feedback from us when you know when the time comes but what i want us to look at today is how to hear from God concerning a specific matter. So you are praying for a job. Let's say there are three, three job opportunities, right? Um, and you want, to, you want to know which one God is leading you to. Or there's somebody asking you for your hand in marriage. Or there's somebody you are, you know, you're putting your eyes on. You're like, ah, oh, Lord, speak to me about this person. You know what I mean? Um, or you want to move to a new city, but you just want to be sure that you are hearing from God. So what does that entail? Like, how do we do that? Um, that's what I want us to look at today. So today's, you know, study is going to be very practical and I plan on keeping it concise and short, um, but I just want us to hit the nail on the head and let us learn, like, what are the practical things we can do when we want to hear, hear from God on a particular subject, okay? Um, so that's what I want us to look at, all right? So the first thing is, let us read from Jeremiah chapter chapter 33 please i would love for someone to read i would love for someone to read for us jeremiah chapter 33 verse 3 um this would have to be somebody on zoom since we can't hear those on mixella but please someone from on zoom please read for us jeremiah chapter 33 and verse 3 jeremiah 33 verse 3 Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Hallelujah. Um, could you please read one more time for us? Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Hallelujah. So, Paul, um, um, no, I was going to say Paul. <laughs> um, not Paul, please. Jeremiah, right, is the prophet in question. So God was speaking to Jeremiah, and he said something very instructive. He said, 
call unto me and the promise is that I would answer you. And you know, many times believers question if God actually hears them. And the reason for that question is because they haven't received an answer yet. So the question if God actually hears them because they've been asking, they've been praying, they've been, you know, requesting, and it seems as though there is no answer. But according to the word of God we just read, he says, call unto me. And God didn't say, I'll think if I'll answer you or not, or I would, I would, you know, just be deliberating. I'll be too busy for you. No, he says, he says, call on me and I would answer you. And the effect of the answer is that I will show you great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Um, I mean, we jumping ahead of myself, but this scripture reminds me of 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We were read from verse 9 and 10 that says, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither has he entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love him. Then verse 10 says, but he has revealed them to us by his spirit. And then it goes on to say that the spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. So um, God was speaking to Jeremiah and he said, when you ask of me, I'll show you, I'll answer you and I'll show you great and mighty things that you do not know about. And from from First Corinthians, we know that the person of the Godhead responsible for that act of revelation is the Holy Spirit. So what this means is that when we ask, there is a guarantee that God will answer us. And a part of his answer is that he will bring revelation to us by his spirit for things that we were oblivious about, things that we never even knew. That's why Jesus Christ said, when the spirit of truth comes, he will show you all things. He will show you things that are to come, all right? So when we pray, the guarantee is that God will hear us, God will answer us and then bring revelation that, humanly speaking, we never would have um, known or even conceived, okay? So this is the foundation of what I want to start with, that there's a legitimate um, biblical basis for us to make requests to God, all right? And it is a very healthy thing to do to ask God concerning specific things. So for instance, you are, again, like I said earlier, you have three job opportunities. It is wise for you to ask God what, which one to take. It is expected as a Christian to ask God which one is he leading you to? Um, that your the, your metrics of a good workplace is not sufficient enough. Yes, you should do your background research on the companies. You should find out how much they pay, what their terms are, fantastic. But after you've done all of that, go back to God and say, God, where are you leading me to? And let God give you direction. And this is true not just for job, but for every area of our lives, all right? Um, and God, what God does many times is that he puts, he he. Um, what's the word now? He puts a signal in us when we even need to ask, ask him for direction. So sometimes we get to a phase of our lives where we actually don't even know what next. So we are either discontent with what, what we're experiencing or we're uncomfortable or we just feel restless. And it might not necessarily be because things are bad on, on, on the outside, but it might even be that you're in a comfortable place, but there's some dissatisfaction in your spirit about your, your current experience in life. And that is God trying to instigate you to, or propel you to ask him a question, to begin to have that conversation with him. And then, then you, you go ahead and ask him. Now, let me say something also from this scripture, because it says, call unto me and I would answer you. So the procession is typically from us asking. It is not very common, right, to see God answering questions that you have not asked. What I mean is that when it comes to serious issues of your life, God will typically wait for you to ask him about it. And this is his way of, I mean, that this is his way of you, of him determining, determining rather that you are dependent on him, especially when you can afford to take any alternative, right? So for instance, you want to buy a car. You have the money to buy a car. Let's say the car costs um, um, $3,000, for instance, and you have, $56,000 in your account. You can buy the car. I mean, let's assume there are three cars. One costs 3,000, the other costs 7,000. The last one costs um, $15,000. And then you can afford it based on what's in your bank account. So there might not necessarily be a need for you to ask God if you can afford it. You just make up your mind and say, okay, which one is the latest? Uh, which one is comfortable for me? Which one do I like? Okay, which one is more, you know, put all your metrics together and then you make a choice. That's because you have the means to purchase the car. But if you had, if what you had in your account was $2,000 and then you had all these three options, the, the circumstance you find yourself in compels you to ask God. 
all right so that that is sort of natural because you the circumstance compels it as god but it is now more intentional or you need to be more intentional when you have the means to not ask god and still execute your decision and that is where god determines if you really trust him or not and that's why you see the bible says when you draw near to me i'll draw near to you it doesn't mean that god is reluctant it just means that god wants to see dedication and seriousness from our path that's why he told um jeremiah and said call on me and then i would answer you all right so that's the beginning point i want to start with that there's a biblical basis for us to ask god for direction ask god for his opinion regards anything and then see him manifest in our lives now before i move on to actually there are just two things i want to share with us today but if i move on to the first of those two things i want to say here that um when you're asking god for a particular thing now it is expected that as christians we should have a a thriving or a growing or a consistent work with god all right so we are not asking you are not waiting till you are in a problem or you you need to get an urgent answer from god before you go to him so what i'm saying is that as a believer you have your daily routines of prayer you have your routine of studying the word of god fellowship and all of that all the healthy measures that the bible encourages us to um, sustain you have all of that running for you now it is important that is go that is running because when they the need comes to hear from God. Many times, what believers do is a what we call fire brigade method. Um, let's assume, and I'm just laughing because it's very. It happens a lot. So somebody has not been praying, has not been studying the Word of God, but then he sees a sister in church, and he just like the sister is beautiful, and his mind is telling him that lady is your wife, and he now goes to God. After not praying for, let's say, six months or not spending time in fellowship with God constantly, he now goes to God and the only thing he wants to ask now from God is, is that my wife? I can guarantee you, except God shows you mercy out of his sovereignty, but you most likely will hear wrong. I assure you, you will hear wrong. Whatever you hear, me, I guarantee you, it will be the wrong thing. Reason because your, um, you, you know when, you know, have you ever left your car parked your car for such a long time and then you try starting it the battery would have drained so you have to most times you have to jump start it for the car to to get get back you know into action so that's how it is spiritually your battery has drained there's no sensitivity with god and you're just bumping to ask god a question about that important issue of your life you most likely would not hear the right thing at first okay um it would take it take a while for you to get yourself into the frequency of actually descending the voice of god from your own emotions all right so what i'm saying here in essence is that it all starts with you maintaining a, a consistent work with god so don't wait until there's a need for you to ask from god or to get direction from god before you then go to god no keep your work with god consistent let your fellowship with god be consistent and that is why it is not it's not um, ideal for us to have a need-based relationship with God. It is not ideal. The re our relationship with God should be should be regular and consistent, whether there is a need or not. Okay, and then when the need arises, we can easily just plug into our into our relationship with God. It's almost like a bank account, right? You want to make withdrawals, but you can't make withdrawals if you've not deposited money there. So the same thing also. There are times when we need to withdraw substance from our fellowship with god but if we've not been depositing over time then when the need arises we wouldn't have anything to draw from all right okay so i want to lay those foundation that foundation before we go because what i want to share with us is very concise and straight to the point i don't think will take time um today all right so first thing i want to say is that when you want to hear from god let's let, let, let's read the scripture and I'll, I'll tell you the first thing to do um psalm 34 verse 18. someone should please read for us if you're on zoom um psalm 34 verse 18. okay somebody there should please go ahead and read for us psalm 34 verse 18. i'll read all right go ahead please uh the lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Wow. Please read verse, um, read that verse again. 
verse 18. Yes, read it again, please. You said Psalm 34. Yes, Psalm 34, verse 18. You're correct. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. You know, it's funny. Thank you very much. It's funny how the Bible, how the psalmist puts it. It says the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. It's almost as though saying that God, there's some form of partiality in God. You get what I mean? Is that he loves everybody, but it's, it's, it's as though he pays particular attention to those that are brokenhearted. And if you under if you understand God, you find out that, um, for lack of a better term, now this is my own my own terminology or my own phrase that God has a weakness, and the weakness is that He cannot reject somebody who is brokenhearted. He cannot reject someone who is brokenhearted, and it is so bad. So I'm going to say it's so bad. It was it's so much that when you read the book of First Kings and you hear of the king um, Asa. Who's, who was the husband of Jezebel? Je- this guy did a lot of terrible things. And the judgment of God came to him that he was going to be destroyed. But guess what he did? He went back to God and he repented. And because he genuinely repented, it was almost as though he, you know, when you, you like we say it in Nigeria, you, you tie the person's hand in a corner. So you, God was put in a corner that he could not reject his repentance. And so what God said was that, okay, because you repented, yeah, this judgment will still come, but it will not come in your lifetime. The judgment will jump and pass you. It will wait for the next generation, all right, before it will come. And that is to show how much God does not refuse, refuse or reject the brokenhearted. That anybody who comes to him with a, an open heart, he cannot reject it. It is something that you see consistent with scripture. Anybody that comes to God with, an, with a broken heart, with a heart, that says, Lord, I I surrender to you. That's pretty much what a broken heart means. A heart of surrender. The Bible says that person, God cannot reject. So the first thing to do when you are praying to God or or seeking to hear from God concerning a particular matter, come with a heart of surrender. A heart that surrenders your bias concerning that matter. A heart that surrenders your opinion concerning that matter. A heart that surrenders your past experience concerning that matter. Come with your heart of surrender. That is the number one requirement to hearing from God. Because you see, God knows, I mean, God tests the heart. That's what the scripture says. God tests the heart. In fact, Jeremiah said that um, the heart of man is just pretty wicked. Um, Who can understand it? You know, it's only God that has the ability to test the heart. For man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. So when we come to God, for instance, let's say I am praying to God um, concerning, let's assume I have two job offers, company A and company B. Company A is offering me a higher salary, um, looks very interesting, but company B is not offering me that much a salary as company A. And I've looked at everything and maybe company A is a is a global company, world renowned, you know, and then I, go, I get the offers from both companies. And in my mind, I already know that ah, it's company A because I've seen the salary. I've checked how much I'll get in a year. I've seen how that I can buy a new car and start make a deposit for um, for a bigger house. I've, I've calculated everything, but just because so you know they said during Bible study we should ask God. That one 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 man called Victor said we should go and pray and ask God. So let it not be as if I did not ask God. Then I go to ask God. It is very likely that I might not hear what. God is saying to me at that point, because subconsciously, I, my disposition is already towards company A, that I have made up my mind without saying it out, but I've told myself it's company A that I want. But shall let me just ask God. You know, it's very it's very similar to what, what a lot of young people do. They want to get married. They've, I mean, let's say a lady, for instance, now, the lady has, has this guy has asked the lady out. She has said yes. The guy has even proposed to the lady. She has collected the ring. They've done parara parara on Instagram. She has collected the ring. Then she now goes to ask God and say, God, eh, let me just ask you, should I marry him? At that point, you've really made up your mind. So there's a high chance you wouldn't really hear what God is saying. So what I'm saying is, when you go to God to ask for a particular, ask his opinion for concerning a particular matter, go with a heart of surrender. And this singular action can change the game forever. All right, when we go to pray, just go with the heart of surrender and say, Lord, I might like this, I might like that, but I, I put aside my, 
bias. I put aside my opinion and I just want to listen to you. All right. Somebody, God might be asking you to, you know, go and participate or go and, and be a part of a ministry that you probably didn't like or maybe they hurt you or something like that. And God is saying, put your bias aside and just come with a surrendered heart. Everything that you, you are holding tight to, I have a pen in my hand, you are holding tight to it. For instance, God is saying, drop it at, the, at, at my feet and come with surrender. And that is the power, that is the only time we can clearly hear from God and also experience the power that comes with his voice. You know, Jesus Christ was at the Garden of, garden of Gethsemane and he knew what was coming for, coming for him. He prayed the first time. He said, Lord, I, if, it could, if you can do anything that this cup will pass me by, let it do it. But nevertheless, not my will, let your will be done. That was a prayer of surrender. And this is the beginning of every prayer that God, that touches the heart of God. All right. It is a prayer that comes from a heart of surrender. So the first thing you want to ensure when you are asking God for anything is that you are coming with a heart of surrender to God. Hallelujah. Okay, let's take these thoughts further. Um, you know, let, let me just quote this. We'll read another scripture, but let me just quote this scripture. It says, Isaiah chapter 1, verse 19 to, to 20, it says, if you are willing and obedient, you would eat the good of the land. So it didn't just say that if you are obedient. He says, if you are willing and obedient. The willing part has to do with the state of the heart. Then the obedience has to do with the external um, action being carried out. And it is possible for somebody to carry out an external action without the willingness of the heart. And at the same time, it's possible for somebody to be willing, but eventually not carry out the action or don't, doesn't see it through. So what God is saying is that, first of all, be willing. That is, let your heart align with my own heart and then be obedient. So whatever actions externally are required, go ahead to execute them. But without willingness of heart, you cannot touch God. Without surrender, you cannot touch God. And we all know that God isn't moved by, um, by the volume of our, our prayers or by the length of our prayers alone. What God is first and foremost moved by is by the state of our hearts. And that's why, why Psalm 34 verse 18 where we read, it says, it says, God cannot reject a broken heart. All right? Okay, let's take this thought further with a scripture. Psalm 51 verse 16 to 17. Psalm 51, verse 16 to 17. Please, again, someone should read for us. Psalm 51, um, verse 16 and 17. All right, let me read then. Oh, someone there? I thought I heard a voice. Okay, let me go ahead and read. So it says, Psalm 51, it says... Um, Verse 16 says, For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. Let me take a pause here before I read the next verse. You know, David was such a, an amazing man, and the things he discovered were, were things that came from personal, you know, interaction with God. Now, when we read, you know, um, Exodus to Deuteronomy, you see that God asked the Israelites to to bring sacrifices and several times he asked them to you know bring animals uh, bulls and all of that but then david came in psalm 9 in psalm 51 and began to say that um you don't desire sacrifice and, and that's a very bold statement to make because all all along the israelites have been accustomed to sacrifices you know rams bulls whatever animals pigeons and the rest but then david came and said said you know what i've discovered something that you have not discovered and it's the fact that Actually, what God is desiring is not really the sacrifice. It's not even the animals or the pigeon or anything. And what, what then does he desire? Look at what he says. He says, verse 17, that the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. He says, a broken spirit and a contrite heart, O God, thou will not despise. So before you come with your prayer points, before you go on seven days dry fast to hear the voice of God, right? Or seven days or 21 days to know if this man or woman is your husband or wife. Before you go on that journey, before you make that sacrifice on your flesh, David was saying that the real sacrifice that God wants, so he says the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. 
A broken spirit means a surrendered heart, a surrendered spirit. So it is pointless to have a sacrifice that doesn't come from a surrendered spirit. It is pointless to present before God an offering or a sacrifice when your heart has not first been offered. And we talked about this some time ago, that the offering that God, God accepts is the offering that comes from a heart that is first offered to God. Let me take that again. That the offering or the sacrifice that God accepts is the offering that comes from a heart that is first offered unto God. So if you've not offered your heart to God, if not, you know what, as the Bible says, a, a broken spirit, meaning your will is no longer in control, your opinion is no longer in control, your perspective is no longer in control, your past is no longer in control, your expectation even of the future is no longer in control. But what you have, what, what, what is in control now is the will of God. You've surrendered everything and say, okay, God, you know what? Anything you say, I will do. Wherever you lead me, I will go. You know, there's a song I love very much um, by Hillsong. It's called Oceans. And part of the lyric says, I think the chorus says, Spirit lead me where my, where my, what's the word now? Spirit lead me where my feet is without borders. Um, let me walk upon the waters wherever you may lead me. I love that song because it perfectly captures a heart of surrender. All right. And I'm saying this again that even before you go on 21 days fasting or you pray for 10 hours, the first thing that God requires from you is a surrendered heart. And the, the tricky part is that I can look at you and even see you cry, but I can't see your heart. So I don't even know. I can't tell you if you are surrendered or not. And there are people that have cried without a surrendered heart. There are people that have cried. Let's say worship was going on in church and they were moved and they were crying, but their heart still hasn't, they've not yet surrendered to God that particular thing. And you know, we are different, right? And as different as we are, so also are the things that God will be requiring us to surrender. For somebody, God might be asking you to surrender a particular desire. Or for someone, God might be asking you to surrender your rights for revenge. So somebody did something to you at the office, your friends or something, and you are holding on to that right. You say, you must do this person back. That you're, you, you might not even be saying it verbally, but your heart is inclined in the direction of revenge. And God is saying, I can't show you direction or give you answer unless I deal with that revenge. So God will demand you to surrender your rights. For somebody, it might be a possession you love so much and God will come and say, you know what? Surrender it to me. You know, there are certain things that God never told Abraham until he was willing to let Isaac go. And it's the same thing too for us. There are certain things God will never tell us until we, we've let whatever Isaac in our lives is right, until we let that Isaac go, until we let that loved, beloved possession go, all right? For someone, it might even be your attitude of always wanting to be right. You must be right in every situation. Maybe you are talking with your, your, your wife or your husband, and you can, that argument cannot end until you prove your points. And, and assuming the argument for some reason, let's say the person you're arguing, let's say your spouse now, you're arguing with and he or she sleeps up. You can't sleep or your body, your chest will be beating extra hard until you make your point. And God is saying, surrender it. Surrender is the prerequisite to hearing the voice of God. So I know that there are many things, we, we might have different things where we want to hear God on, um, for school, for life, for business, for career, for marriage, whatever it is. I'm saying, go to God <clears throat> and surrender. And you know, the funny thing is that you might not even know what God wants you to surrender on yet. And that is why David prayed a prayer and, and he said, search my heart. You know, basically saying, Lord, come and investigate my heart. Because if you if you leave it to me, I, if I mark my own script, I'll give myself 10 over 10. But Lord, you come and mark my script. Come and um, find out, search my heart and know if there's anything wrong. And it is only God that actually can reveal the areas that we need to surrender on. All right. And this might be one of the very helpful prayers to pray at the beginning of anything that you want to see the face of God for. Ask God to set your heart and know if there are areas of surrender that you have not yet yielded to, and then let him help you surrender. Hallelujah. Okay, I want to read, before I end on this note, I want to read a scripture that, you know, perfectly captures, um, that, that also buttresses this, this point from the book of Genesis chapter 4, verse 4 to 5. Genesis chapter 4, verse 4 to 5. So please don't forget the, 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 the cheat code, you know, in, in quote, the cheat code for God is a surrendered heart. 
God cannot reject a surrendered heart. He cannot refuse a broken spirit. And that's why you see the parable of the, or the story rather of the, um, of the prodigal son. The Bible says that he came to his senses and he came back to his father with a broken heart. And that brokenness, the father could not reject it. And that's the way God is. That no matter how notorious your mistake was, no matter how wayward your, your actions were, the moment you come back to God with a broken heart, Jesus Christ says, anyone that comes to him, he can in no way cast away. So anybody that comes to him with a broken heart, he cannot refuse you. All right? So let's, okay, let's read Genesis chapter 4, verse 4 to 6. Is that what I said? Sorry, verse 4 to 5. Please go ahead and read. Um, someone should please volunteer for us. Genesis chapter 4, verse 4 to 5. 4 to 5, yes, please. Somebody helping us? Um, I can read. Yes, please go ahead. Okay. So um, Genesis 4, 4 to 5. It says, but Abel brought an offering of finest firstborn of his flock and the fat portions. And the Lord had respect or regard for Abel and for his offerings. But mm -hmm. for Cain and his offering, he had no respect. So Cain became extremely angry and he looked annoyed and hostile. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. So this is an interesting story and a, a popular one, I believe, amongst many of us. Um, the story of Cain and Abel and what led up, led up to Cain's anger and then how he eventually killed his brother Abel. But there's something I want to point out from these two verses that is critical to what we've been talking about. Number one is that, you know, it says Abel brought his offering to God and all of that. And the last phrase of verse four is important. It says, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. It's funny that the Bible puts it that way. It says first that God had respect unto Abel and then to, sorry, unto Abel, yes, and then to his offering. Um, Abel came to just offer unto God. One would expect that the only thing God would look at is the offering, maybe the size of the offering or the quality of the offering. But that was not the first thing God looked at. The first thing God looked at was Abel himself. And this is an important lesson for us that before God accepts our offerings or accepts our sacrifices, he looks at us first. And when he looks at us, obviously he's not looking at the color of our hair or the, or the type of shirt we wore or anything like that. He's looking at our hearts. So the first thing God looks at is the heart before the offering. And so when, when Abel brought the offering to God, the Bible says that God had regard or respect, or in some translation says God accepted Abel first, all right? So the first thing God accepted was Abel's heart, even before the offering. And same thing for Cain as well. The Bible says that, um, but for Cain, unto Cain and his offering, he had not respect, meaning God did not regard respect or accept the heart of Cain and, and, as well as the offering. Meaning if the heart is bad and the offering is good, eh, the, everything is bad. But if the heart is good and the offering for some reason is not up to par, God will still accept it. Because um, some, some, some what, what we just read, some, um, that's some, 50, no, no, Psalm 30, 51, yes, please. Psalm 51, let us know that God doesn't really, he's not really interested in the sacrifices. And that's why, you know, Samuel, the prophet Samuel told Saul that obedience is better than sacrifice. And that obedience is the obedience that comes from the heart. All right, so God first looks at the heart before he looks at the sacrifice. So please, I want to emphasize this again and again, right? When you want to ask God for direction or for anything, the first thing God looks at is your heart. Your, is your heart already determined on your own ways? Have you decided this is what I want to do? You know, some people say things like, and that's just the way I am now, I can never change. And God is looking at you like, mm, I never knew that, you know? Like you can't, he, he obviously wants you to change because the way you are now is not how he wants you to be, okay? And um, God wants us to, wants to check our hearts first of all, the disposition, of our hearts, all right? So the first thing I want to say to us this evening or today is that check your heart. What is the state of your heart, right, concerning that request? And you know, we're talking about specific things you're asking God for. You know, like I said now, many times you already have our minds made up about that, 
about that matter, what we want to do. And maybe you, you have an opportunity to relocate to a different country and um, you have all the documents, all you just need to do is submit them. And your mind, you are like, nothing, this, this is an open door, nothing, permit me to speak PD, it says nothing will spoil my, my, my chance for this life, I will just apply. You know, but you've not really asked God. And if your heart is already made up, then it's very difficult for you to hear, hear from God, especially when it has to do with things that are that involve your emotions. One of such things are human relationships. Um, somebody you just met a guy and you you just you just swept you off your feet, and your emotions are entangled, and you've already made up your mind that uh -uh, this guy is a, is a tech bro. He has the haircut that I like. He's earning in dollars. What else am I waiting for? I'm already 30. Marriage is the next is the next logical thing. He's the one. End of story. Once you've made up your mind like that, it will be very difficult for you to hear from God. All right. So the first thing you want to do is to let go of any biases, prejudices, prejudices you had, or any opinion that you've already sustained before asking God, and then let go to God with a surrendered heart. And let me even be factual with you. Sometimes, if not many times, the answer God gives us will, will, might not be palatable, might not be comfortable for our flesh, but eventually it is profitable for our destiny. All right? So go to God with, with a surrendered heart. Uh, and under this note, as I move on to the next thing, I just said here that <clears throat> three things I think that will be helpful to when you're going, I mean, when you go to God and you're going to surrendered heart. Number one is, Learn to re repent, um, especially when you've begun to implement a decision before asking God. Learn to repent. Um, I don't know where and how people got the idea that um, repentance is not for Christians, only for unbelievers. That is not true. In fact, a Christian will repent a lot more than an unbeliever because we many times we take actions without considering God or we make mistakes or we you know fall into errors or temptation and all of that. Um, it is a healthy thing to repent before God. The same way if you offended your friend, you go to your friend and apologize so that you can restore the relationship. Or if you, you know, have a wife or a husband, you apologize to your spouse. Or if you, I mean, your parents, for instance, you offend them, you go to them and apologize and you repent for what you did. It is a healthy thing for a Christian to repent. And as soon as you find out you are in the wrong, please repent immediately. You can't afford to... You can't afford to experience a dissociation in your fellowship with God. It is too risky. That moment where you're not in active fellowship with God is a danger zone, all right? So you want to learn to repent. Second thing is, and I've said this again, so I won't, I won't stress it, um, learn to put biases aside. So there are two companies, like I said, you know, you got an offer from, you got offers from both of them. Learn to put aside and, and just tell yourself, okay, imagine I did not get an offer. What is God saying? And God might even say no to both of them. Let me say this again. The, the answer from God might not be comfortable, but it is profitable for your destiny. It might not be comfortable on your flesh, but it's the best thing you can do for your destiny. I just now, I, I recall the story of my friend. Um, he was working for a company in the US and then he wanted to change. And so he got an offer from another company still in the US again, but and the, the salary was obviously better. Everything looked juicy. But when he went to pray about it, he did not just feel peace about it. So he refrained. He didn't accept the offer. Um, just a few months later, maybe like two or three months later, that company that was that gave him an offer completely closed down. It was a startup that completely closed down. And he was just so shocked that if he had accepted that offer, that would have been, I mean, he would have been jobless for a while. All right. So the last thing I want to say also on this is eliminate, excuse me, eliminate haste from your heart. And this will bring me to the next thing, all right? But we'll take, a, we'll take like feedback from us before we move on to the second part. But eliminate haste from your heart. What it means is that you can't hurry God. God is a king, okay? Uh, when you come to ask him for, for his opinion on anything, you need to remove haste from your heart. It can't be, oh yeah, God, oh yeah, God, answer now, answer now. Ah, Lord, it's, it's two days now, you've not spoken. It, once you have haste in your heart, it will cloud your heart from discerning the voice of God. So, Eliminate haste. Let your disposition be that if God doesn't speak, I will not move. So your whole body knows that unless God speaks, we are not moving from here. Okay. So eliminate haste um, from your heart and, and then it will be easier for you to hear from God. All right. So I'm going to take a break here.
before we continue, I want to hear from us. I'd love to hear like a feedback. Uh, but well, what I want to ask us now is, um, have you ever been in, an, in a situation where you had to surrender to God something, where God was demanding you to surrender something to him, all right? At, at that season of your life or at that phase of your life? I would just love to hear from two, two people there about, um, yeah, two of us, most likely on Zoom. Um, for those on Mixer, you can type it in. If you can, um, please type it in. But I would love to hear from, you know, two people just share their experiences, um, how, if you've gone through, you know, experiences where God asked you to surrender something and then what was the response? How did you feel? What was it like? Um, you know, share with us and we'd love to hear from you. Two people want to surrender. Oh, I said surrender. <laughs> Two people want to share, sorry, on how um, at any season of your life, God asked you to surrender and, you know, how was, what was it like? I'll share. Okay, yeah, go ahead, please. Um, a few years ago, I had to surrender a friendship, um, which at the time I, I, I didn't get. Um, I really didn't understand why but um through that experience i just really saw my relationship with god grow and it wasn't necessarily because there was anything wrong with the person god just needed me to be isolated or separated for a season so that he could um basically do a work in me um so obedience was tough but i'm, I'm glad that that um, i did it looking back so i think like through that experience i learned that even when god is asking us to surrender sometimes like we might not understand why we might not understand why it's that thing specifically or even the purpose of the surrendering in the moment but god still does bring clarity and it's it's just about yielding and trusting him um, yeah thank you very much thanks for sharing that um so god had uh, god asked to surrender a relationship right and um, that's fantastic Okay, one more person wants to share with us. Just, any, I mean, it doesn't have to be anything grand, but an experience you've, you've gone through that God was demanding you to surrender something um, at that season of your life. Please feel free to share with us. Someone saying something, I can barely hear you. Um, I want to share something that is really, really, is something that I'm actually going through now. It's okay. Um, sorry, before you continue, could you please just be a bit louder or maybe closer to your mic? I know you are speaking, but it's not very clear. Okay. Can we hear me? Uh, okay. I think this is better. Yeah. Okay. Um, when I came to, you know, the UK, I, I just knew my husband. I know, I doesn't know anyone else. And um um, apart from, you know, him being my husband and me loving him and being loyal to him, he is the only one I know. And I think I've come to a point that it's as if he is, you know, like the place of, he's taking the place of God in my life. And it's as if, I think this is the way I'm trying to understand and I'm trying to ask God to help me to to go through it no matter how hard and difficult it is i think god is i am presently experiencing um a kind of god requesting that i totally surrender to him make him know that he is as a help i'm trying to understand and know the place of god in my life and not see the person i've always known as a god to like give up give that up and surrender that it's not been easy it's now you know like you mentioned something you said that there are some times that what god is trying is putting us through might not be pleasant to us it's not what we want but that is mm -hmm. what god wants and that is he is putting that it is putting us through that to get better out of us and you know for god to receive something from you you have to first surrender your heart mm. okay and um it's something that i'm 
I'm experiencing at the moment, it is hard and difficult. It's a place I'm just asking for the grace of God. And I'm just so pleased and happy that accidentally I stumbled into this link and I'm listening to this message tonight. And I and I want to believe that, you know, that God will help me because I'm trying to understand what is it that as in I'm trying to going through the process and at the same time I want to really fully understand and utilize the purpose of why he is making me go through that at the moment so that I would fully benefit from the lesson the experience and the process mm. uh, praise God hallelujah bless you someone I hope um yeah yeah that's just that praise God hallelujah thank you very much for sharing and you know, while you were speaking, it just, I mean, it came again in my heart that, you know, you know, God, what God did for Abraham, he said, get out of your father's house to a land I will show you. That required an absolute form of surrender because Abraham had to leave what was comfortable, what was familiar, and step out into the unknown, all right? So in that case, he physically had to leave. But there are other cases where we can we, we will not physically have to leave, but we have to we have to um, detach ourselves from that dependence, right? And some just like you said, it might be your spouse, it might even be a very close friend or a, an uncle, a relation. You know, for someone you might have been depending so much on your parents' connection, and when you imagine your future, all you can think of is the fact that your father is very popular, or your uncle, or your aunt, or somebody in your family, and and they can, you can easily call on them and they'll you know, make one or two calls and you have what you want. And God might be demanding you to trust in him such that you know that you might have a need and you know just one phone call to this person will solve that need, but God will tell you not to call the person. And you will be dying on the inside. But that process of surrender is what bears wings to our spiritual work, to our spiritual work, all right? And... Um, Again, it can be very personal and not an easy period, but it is the only way I have seen from scriptures that God works with men. Anybody that God works with and God continue to um, use the person, God had to demand surrender. And we could go, we could use another hour just talking about surrender, all right? So please, I want to encourage anybody that may be going through any experience right now that probably God is asking you to surrender something. Um, let's just take this tonight's, you know, teaching as an encouragement to surrender, whatever it may be. You know, it is only unknown to you and it is not unknown to God. God knows it. And so every, all that God is asking for us at the moment of surrender is just trust. Okay. All right. So that's the first thing I told you, two things you want to share with us. The second one, I'll just mention it briefly because um, we're almost out of time. The first thing don't forget is a surrendered heart. I said something here that the quality of prayer is determined by the state of the heart that offers it. Let me take that again. The quality of prayer, that's how heaven will measure your prayer in terms of quality assurance. You know, The quality of prayer is determined by the state of the heart that offers that prayer. So somebody might offer prayer from a, from a proud heart or from a, from a self-righteous heart. And if we, even if you pray for five hours, heaven doesn't rate your prayer as prayer. Your prayer is only as quality as the heart, right, that offers it, meaning, meaning the, the disposition of the heart that offers it, all right? Okay, so the second thing, and thank God I just spoke on prayer, but the second thing is praying until you get an answer. So the first thing is surrender, right? And then second thing is praying until you get an answer. So once you've dealt with surrender, you're you are asking God, um, about a particular matter. You want to hear from him about a particular issue. The second thing I'll tell us is to pray until you get an answer. And the reason is because many times Christians pray halfway and there is no formula for how soon God will answer you, to be honest. Um, there is no formula for how soon you will hear from God. Um, before I continue, please, if you have questions, feel free to drop it in the chat. Um, I would at attempt to answer them at the end of this. But yeah, feel free to drop in the chat, all right? So I was saying there's no formula to how long God would, God would take to answer you. There are things that I've asked God for, and in one session of prayer, he gave me answer to them. But there are other things that I had to pray, pray for weeks and sometimes for months 
all right, still asking for his opinion about that. There are some things that till right till at this moment, I'm still asking God about it and I haven't gotten an answer. So I don't know if you ask me how long will it take to for God to answer you. I honestly don't have the handbook for that. However, I can tell you one thing from scripture that don't stop making requests for an answer until you get it. And how do I know so? Um, Matthew chapter seven. Um, okay, let, let's just read from Luke. They say the same thing, but let me just read from Luke. Matthew, I was going to read, I was going to quote Matthew 7 verse 7 to 8, but I want us to read the one from Luke because um, there's a way it puts it in the Amplified Classic. The same thing though, Luke chapter 11 verse 9 and 10. Um, the book of Luke chapter 11 verse 9 and 10. Let me read from the Amplified amplified um, version. It says, this was Jesus Christ speaking, you know, just to give you the, to, to let you know the authority behind this statement. He says, so I say to you, ask and keep on asking and it shall be given to you. Seek and keep on seeking and you shall find. Knock and keep on knocking and the door shall be open to you. Verse 10 says, for everyone who asks and keep and Sorry, for everyone who asks and keeps and keeps on asking receives. He who seeks and keeps on seeking finds. And to him who knocks and keeps on knocking, the door shall be open to you. Now, I know that many times when we, when we quote this scripture, um, we quote it to say, um, I mean, that's how the King James puts it anyway. It says, ask and you shall receive. So the, the impression we get is the moment I ask, I will just receive immediately. So I just ask once and expect to receive. And I, I've heard people, you know, preach and say that you don't need to ask God twice about a matter, just ask him once and the rest is, um, is done. And I'm like, there's really no way in scripture that, that, that explains that. Um, what the Bible tells us is ask and keep on asking. And my emphasis is in the continuity of the, of the process. So Jesus Christ was the one who said this himself, that you should ask and keep on asking. And what I want to bring out from this is the persistence in prayer that if you are trusting God, if you want to hear receive God's direction on, on a particular matter, what I encourage you to do is spend time in prayer. And this is where we cannot substitute praying for long. All right. So praying for long hours or praying for for long time over days. You might not have maybe six hours to in one day to pray, but if you can pray consistently one hour for the whole week concerning that matter, then you, you make progress, okay? If and, and better still, add fasting to it, but be consistent and stay until an answer comes, all right? So the fact that God hasn't answered doesn't mean he will not answer. It just means that, I mean, he probably wants you to spend more time in prayer about that. And like I said, I can't tell you how soon the answer will come, but I can guarantee you from scripture that if you pray and you do not stop praying, like, Luke chapter 18, verse 1. Um, we won't read that now, but just, just let me quote it. Luke 18, verse 1. Jesus Christ gave a, par a parable um, to this end that men ought always to pray and not faint. So the next thing I want you to do after surrendering your heart to God is on that particular matter, spend time in prayers. And let me give a, another hint still on this prayer matter, uh, particularly for those of us who are filled with the Holy Ghost and can pray in other tongues. This is what I encourage you to do, practically speaking now. So let's say I am praying to God for direction on what I will do next. Or let's say I have, um, um, there's a business opportunity and I'm, I want to know if God wants me to take it. So this is what I would do. I would take that business opportunity, right? Put it on my mind and then I'll pray in the spirit over it for a long period of time until I am, I get a release, until I get an answer about it. Now, it might not happen that first day that I start praying, which is fine. I'll continue the next day or keep a schedule. But by all means, don't assume an answer. Keep that schedule, stay in prayer until God gives you um, the answer. God always gives answers when you ask him. He always gives answers when you ask him, all right? So um, that is it really. Those are the two things I wanted to share with us. Have a surrendered heart. There is nothing you do without a surrendered heart that will, that will touch God. Secondly, stay in the place of prayer until God gives you the answer. All right? And these two things I said 
they can be expanded and they are like a whole teaching on its own surrender and even prayer but i just wanted to bring this to our consciousness because i know and i sense that there are many of us who are in situations where we want to hear from god concerning that matter and um, what god wants us to do is just surrender to him and then stay in prayer and he will give an answer many times i found out that the moment you you have reached the level of surrender god de desires from you the answer comes almost immediately because what was standing as a barrier to the answer has been taken away all right okay thank you very much everyone um let me read the questions and see how we can answer them um first question from on zoom here says uh, before i continue please if you have questions on mixella feel free to drop them as well um the first question on zoom says how do i know what i have to surrender as you said god knows it but i do not know it okay fantastic very practical question so the question again is how do i know what i need to surrender a very simple answer is this that god will begin to make you uncomfortable about that particular thing and it will be on your mind for a while so if god for instance wants me to surrender a friendship i have with somebody either whether I, he, he just puts that in my heart or it was as a result of me praying to him whatever the case is um i will begin to feel uncomfortable about that thing and it will be on my heart it will be something i will easily shush away or just discard from my mind it will be top on my mind and it will be my consciousness for a sustained period of time it might not be there forever and the reason why it will not be there forever is because when we keep ignoring the signal of god after some time he the signal refrains from our hearts and we no longer would sense it because we've hardened our hearts towards it. But it will definitely be there for a sustainable period that you would not, you cannot deny that it was not in your heart. So how do you know in simple terms is that one, you feel uncomfortable about it and number two, it will be on, on your heart for a you know sustained period of time. Okay, I hope that helps um, answer your question. Um, second, Thing. second question here is um how do i separate praying until something happens and making an issue slash prayer point the center of my prayer oh very very interesting <clears throat> um okay now let me ask the question again right and i'll give an answer so the question is how do i separate praying until something happens right you know how we encourage encourage um everyone to pray stay on a particular thing until they get an answer how do you separate that from making a particular issue the center of your prayer the first thing you you first thing to note is that worry will not be in the equation so you know when people and, and what, what what i believe she means from this is you know when somebody is worried about something every time they go to pray they're praying about it let's say it's a job that they want a new job every time they go to pray god give me job god give me job god give me job and they are worried about it how you separate that from praying until you get an answer number one is that that effect of worry will no longer be in your prayer if you are praying to god to get an answer worry will no longer be in the mix because the bible says in philippians chapter six um, chapter four verse six it says do not be anxious about anything but in in everything by prayer and petition so the Bible encourages us to pray about things, but what it tells us is that worry will not, will not be, or anxiety now, will not be part of that um, equation of prayer. So the first thing you know to separate this is that you will not be worried. If you are just praying to hear from God about a particular matter or praying about something until you get an answer, worry will no longer be part of that mix. But if then, if something is just forming the center of your prayer and, and that's what is occupying your mind, You'll notice that you will still be worried about it even though you are praying but it will be worrying the equation um then the second thing i want to say on this note is that the bible doesn't i mean or let me say the other way now the bible encourages us to pray about um whatever situation we are finding ourselves in now where we would it will become i guess where christians go overboard is when they received an answer from god they keep praying as though the answer hasn't come and an answer doesn't first come materially an answer first comes in your spirit and again philippians 4 verse 6 let's verse 7 now says and the peace of god that surrounds um that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind so the first symptom of an answer is an internal response from god 
And in the Philippians 7, the response is peace. In other experiences, it could be joy or it could be a verse of scripture that assures you what you're praying for has been done, all right? So once you've gotten that answer, you need not linger on it as a request. What you do now is what we call laboring in thanksgiving, okay? All right, so those two things, I hope they help. Um, let me see, MixLR, any question? Okay, no question on MixLR. No question on MixLR. Okay, great. Um, we're going to pray now and we'll close. But before we pray, I just want to hear from two people quickly. Whether on MixLR, you could type it in or on Zoom, you could just say it out. But I'd love to hear from two people just one thing you learned from today's Bible study that you're going to practice or your, that has shaped your understanding or has helped you, or you basically just learn from it. Two people quickly, anyone to volunteer? One thing you learned before we go. Please on Mixella, have we heard from us? So I'll be interested to hear what we've learned. Feel free to type it in, please. Okay, go ahead. Um, okay, hi, good evening, hi. can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Please tell us your name. <clears throat> so you know. uh, my name is Chisum. Okay, hi Chisum. So hi. Uh, so what I learned this evening is um, one thing that actually stood out for me is, uh, I mean, there's been some sort of confusion in my mind when it comes to, you know, praying for forgiveness after every time you want to pray mm -hmm. uh, because of, um, you know, the teaching that, I mean, God, Jesus already died for our sins, our sins are forgiving and all of that. So mm -hmm. I always had this conflict in my mind of, okay, am I supposed to then, always pray for forgiveness and all of that every time I pray, if um, that has already been sorted out. So what stood out for me was where you use the analogy of, you know, when you offend your friend and then you actually say, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. um, so you're saying I'm sorry is not really about if your friend is offended or not. It's really about you realizing that you have done something wrong and apologizing to the person and letting the person know that, okay, you actually realize you've done something wrong and you're sorry about it. So you sort of smoothing that out for me because it makes sense. So if I go and do something wrong, you know, and I know, I realize that I have done something. So it's not so much about the, um, it's not so much about whether the person is angry with you or not. Yeah. It's more about the fact that you have realized yourself that, you've done something that this person is not happy about and i mean it's simple courtesy for you to say i'm sorry so if we can do that with humans around us you know our brothers our sisters friends um our loved ones why won't why can't we do that with god so that was what stood out for me so just being able to put that prayer to say oh, okay i'm really sorry you know mm -hmm. for this that i did or that that i did you know just putting that apology out just made sense to me actually yeah Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Chisum, for sharing. Um, all right, one more person wants to share with us one thing you learned today. Hi. Hi. Good evening. Good evening. Yeah, anyone is fine. Hi. Um, what I learned today was before you go to God about an issue, make sure that you have a broken heart, basically surrender, and then move every bias. So most times, like you mentioned, that we always go to God with our hearts made and made. But then, like the fastest way for you to hear is to drop all biases and just act as if you, as a, for job, for example, if you've got like a good offer, act as if you, you're probably still at your former disposition and that these things are not there. Just act as if you didn't have it already and then take it to God with a plain heart mm. and that's when you can actually hear from him so it's the fact that you have to surrender and you have to drop all biases amazing thank you thank you very much for sharing um on mixel arson says what they learned is that a surrendered heart is very key to hearing from god fantastic it's nothing that you said okay so let us close with a word of prayer father in the name of jesus christ we thank you for what you have taught us today, thank you for the sharing from everybody. Um, dear Lord, we, we, we admit that surrendering to you is not um, the natural disposition of our hearts. So we ask you for the grace to surrender. Whatever you might ask us to surrender, we ask you for the grace to surrender it in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, O Lord. And as we also ask for the grace to stay in the place of prayer until we receive 
an answer for you concerning whatever issue um, we are asking you about. Thank you, dear Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. All right. Thank you, everyone, for joining us this evening. Um, before we go, I would love to know, um, I mean, we're far out of time. So what I'll do is, if this is your first time joining us, we want to say welcome to you, a huge welcome to you, and just um, let you know we're excited, excited rather, that you joined us um, for today's Bible study. So do me one favor before we go. Kindly type in your name, what city you're joining from. So for instance, you're joining from London or from Manchester or from Lagos or from Abuja, just or from Toronto, wherever it is, just drop in the city you're joining us from and also how you got to know about Bible study today or how you got to know about us. And so just drop that in the chat before you go. Um, I would love to welcome you. So while that is happening, um, Faith would please drop the link of our Bible story, of our WhatsApp group rather. We have a WhatsApp group that you know serves as a community. Um, so please, we encourage to join the group. It's easy for us to send information and um, communicate from that from the group. And then lastly, if you are in Lagos, right, um, we are having a fiscal meeting on Saturday. So typically, we meet online like this um, every week. But for the first time this year, we are going to meet fiscally, and I'm excited about it. So please, I encourage everyone to. Um, everyone of us in Lagos, please join in. And I mean, if you can come from outside Lagos, why not? Um, but yeah, please come fiscally for our meeting. The details of the meeting, um, let me share my screen so you just see it. But the link to register is in the chat right now um, for those of us on Zoom. And I'm going to post it again for those of us on MixLR. Um, so please, I encourage us, if you're in Lagos, join us uh, for a fiscal meeting we get to see everybody fiscally fellowship is richer and of course god has prepared something amazing um for for us for that day so please i encourage everyone to everyone in lagos to do so okay god bless you all oh i see the comments in the chat um teso from abuja you're welcome god bless you teso um chiso from lagos god bless you, you heard about us on instagram god bless you and um, we have ud from sheffield God bless you as well for joining us. Um, yeah, God bless you. Okay, so I think that's all. I'm going to drop the, um, I want to drop something. Okay, okay, no. So just follow the link to register. Then you all the details are on that link. Um, you'll see them there. Okay, God bless you all. Um, all right, so that's it. If you want to stay back for anything, you want to say hi to me or anything, I'll just stay back for like five minutes. But aside that, have a wonderful you know, rest of your day, if it's evening or morning, wherever I are, have a wonderful rest of your day and God bless you all. Bye.